We fall into this trap of believing that if we're finding something difficult, there's something wrong with us. Yes. But actually, everybody finds a lot of things difficult. And I think when we do have these conversations where we name that it's difficult and that we really struggle or have a bad day with it or whatever it might be, hopefully that helps other people. Welcome to episode 13 of Get the Idea podcast. I loved this conversation with Sarah Jane, a Kundalini global yoga teacher, writer, experienced marketeer, and all-round creative powerhouse. In this episode, we talk about the profound benefits of yoga for mental and physical health and how it supports the life of a creative. We discuss the challenges of balancing an online business with wellness, removing shame, and offer some very practical ideas to support those of you embarking on a new creative project. Prepare for permission to be an overwhelmed, messy human being turning our perceived worst traits into our gold and having the courage to be yourself. Enjoy. You came into my awareness through Carolyn Cowan's Mastering the Addictive Personality course. And I found Carolyn on Instagram, just on a random story. And I signed up for her class immediately because I thought, what a cool woman. And then you came on as part of that course and you led us through a class and you were talking a little bit. And same with you, I was like what a cool woman. And I want to know more about this person. Maybe you talk a little bit about yoga, because I know it's impacted your life profoundly. Mm -hmm. I first found yoga when I was about 14, weirdly, when I went to a happy yoga class in a church hall with a woman who was at the time in her 70s. And I was like, this is cool. This is interesting. And it was a really eclectic mix of people. And I was always kind of drawn to the unusual, to the spiritual or the esoteric. I went, dipped my toes in and out of it over the years. When I, I went to university, I studied creative writing and English literature in Liverpool. And when I was there, I went to a few yoga classes and was made to feel not very welcome because I wasn't flexible and didn't look good in lycra. But I remember thinking, oh, yoga, I quite like yoga. Yeah. And then interestingly and strangely, yoga has sort of always been there in the back burner. I, I applied for a job at a yoga studio in Liverpool after I graduated university. And the, the lady who ran that yoga school interviewed me. And the day I got there, she said, it was an admin job, a receptionist job or something. And she said, unfortunately, I've already filled the position this morning. But I wanted to meet you anyway, because I really enjoyed your CV and cover letter. And I was wondering if you'd ever considered marketing and copywriting, which I hadn't at the time ever, because I wanted to be a writer or I wanted to work in publishing in some kind of way. So I did some work for her writing about yoga. That was my first ever kind of gig as a marketer and copywriter. And I was like, I quite enjoy this. So then when I moved to London, like a year later, I actively pursued jobs in copywriting and marketing. So yoga kind of led me in a a strange roundabout way, led me into my career. But then I just forgot about it for a decade. And then I went after having my, I've got three children. So when I was in my very early 30s, I went through a very low period with my mental health. I had quite severe anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder and I had extreme health anxiety as well. And I was receiving help and support and therapy for that. And within all of that work, it was embodiment practices that really helped me. It was diaphragmatic breathing and progressive muscle relaxation these things that were named as such in, in the therapeutic setting, the progressive muscle relaxation, for example, was very much yoga nidra, I would now name it as, but 
it was taught as a CBT technique to me. And so having avoided all social contact with anybody really and kind of hiding myself away for years, a good friend of mine who was always trying to persuade me to go to things with her, join my choir, join our craft club, do this. And I was always like, no, no, no. What, I'm going to start a yoga course. Why don't you come and do it with me? Never heard of Kundalini yoga. It never come on my radar at all. And I walked into the room and I was running late and it was raining and I was wearing my running gear, like night black night lycra. <laughs> and turned up with a teacher all in white with a white turban on and playing all these mantras in the background. And I was kind of like, wow, this is interesting. This isn't what I've encountered before. And I think because there was so much breath work in Kundalini yoga, there's, there's always pranayama or some form of breath work combined with the, the poses or posture work right from the start. Because I'd had such a positive experience with breath work for my anxiety, I, I think the first thing that hooked me was kind of, was that and a oh, wow, like I'm familiar with what's happening in, to my body here. I've had this through doing therapy and this really helps me. But there was something in the presentation of it and very much in how I felt after my first class, which was very, very calm and relaxed for the first time in a long time. And I just did it then every day I've practiced and I just got completely hooked and addicted in Kundalini yoga. I actually went way too far with it, with my addictive personality. I pretty much since then haven't had a day I don't think I've had a day where I haven't done something yoga related mm -hmm. so that was how yoga came into my life and then it's kind of changed a lot since meeting Carolyn and training with her how I think about and work with yoga has changed a lot but that was how I came to it it felt really almost a relief to meet someone like Carolyn who still embodied everything about Kundalini, but it was a completely different lens. Yeah, it was. And I think, I think when it comes to what do, what do I want to do as a yoga teacher, it's allow other people to realize their own agency and, and how certain practices can help with how you experience life. It's about the other person understanding they can change how they feel and how Carolyn quickly empowered me as the practitioner not as a teacher was that we took the practice apart and looked at it from not just she didn't just go right let's just be completely pragmatic about this this is what's happening with the physical body but then also to look at it through a lot of different belief systems and the invitation was continually to, to be reflective on how how does that land with you and how might you transmute that through your own understanding of the world into something that's original and unique to you as a teacher and for me that was really empowering because it was entirely not about here's a loads of information you go now and parrot what you've been taught it was about finding your own Carolyn always calls it find your gold and whereas I've been using yoga to avoid my anxious history or my obsessive compulsive history or the story of my life. I've been using it to try and jump out of it. Carolyn instead said, well, let's look at that and how that gives you expertise in how this can help other people. And so it was, yeah, it was completely shifted it and made the stuff that I was using yoga to avoid the gold that could allow me to be a teacher, hopefully that could offer some solace or some tools to people who had a similar experience to me. I think yeah. it's a common misconception, is it, in, in, in 
people who don't really understand. It's like this kind of whole spiritual bypassing of let's just push away all of the negative stuff and let's just focus on love and light. I do believe as well in terms of being fully expressed in this lifetime, being able to be really yourself and really step into your own power and creativity you have to dance with those aspects of yourself yeah and from your writing and what I've learned from you like you have a lot of that and I'd I'd love you to speak more about that actually in terms of how from becoming this teacher and becoming more empowered and then how has that affected you as a person in being able to be there out in the world as this creative person that you are now writing and sharing it was hugely challenging for me actually I came out of training to be a yoga teacher feeling extremely excited to put myself out there and do it and it was such a you know we all have a story and it and it felt almost like everything I'd done professionally up to that point had positioned me where it was from a practical perspective extremely easy for me to to set myself up. I know how to build websites. I know how to write marketing copy. I like creating artwork and images and I'm technically reasonably skilled. So in the sort of landscape of of this the start of the COVID era and being a yoga teacher online, I was I was immediately in a position where I could make myself into getting it all out there. But but I had to that point worked successfully, professionally, largely in publishing, largely as a marketer. And it was always for someone else. I was never visible at all. I was invisible, completely invisible, never named on anything, always just someone working diligently in the background, getting stuff done and building this understanding. So it was it was extremely uncomfortable and and potentially, you know, that that's perhaps a part of why I created a fantasy world a whole a whole other persona and identity on my website and on social media that was slightly magical slightly separate from from my humanity in some way at the same time conscious that I wanted it to be relatable and to be very human and to be myself but it's it it put a slight moderated how much of myself I was putting out there to a degree I was distracting with the tigers and the light the color and everything else so I found it extremely difficult so first of all meeting Carolyn and training with her I was able to identify as you know if you've done Carolyn's Master in Addictive Personality course you, you you begin to identify what's underneath all of these behaviors that you have so so the way that Carolyn teaches the the anxiety is a safety mechanism born of an underlying history of shame, abuse, or trauma. That's the model that she works with. The experience of putting myself out there as a yoga teacher over the last three years has been, a, it's been a joy a lot of the time, but it's been also been extremely challenging with who I am as a person and, 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 and my anxious tendencies or my obsessive tendencies social media is a very challenging landscape I teach sometimes on the training the teacher training for Carolyn around marketing and and I talk about the mistakes I made and one of them was that I became very obsessive with Instagram in particular in the first year after certifying 
because I was seeing this reward for my effort, building an audience, getting the comments, getting messages, people coming to class, getting a lot of emails. And it was, I got onto this treadmill. I've got to create content every day. And I, that whole thing that everybody talks about, the kind of burnout that can come from that. So I have to be reflective and moderate my own thinking and behavior because I do have a, a mind that is fast and quick and and jumps on ideas and is creative and I have a thousand ideas and going unmoderated I'd be working 24 7 around the clock producing <laughs> endless stuff into the world but also burning myself out in the process so for me I find I adore teaching I, I taught last night and and it's always a pleasure the stuff around the edges of that sitting down to teach I have to continually moderate myself and reflect and notice when I'm thinking into behaviors that are a one-way ticket to yeah my cortisol being off the off the chart yeah my screen time report is quite horrifying some weeks still but I kind of like embrace that too because I think in some ways as, as a yoga teacher or someone who works in any what you might call healing modalities of some kind or in spiritual communities moving in them that social media has become the enemy and that and that the the only kind of sometimes I feel as the only acceptable narrative is that you are mainly out in nature and occasionally dip into social media for two minutes a day well that's not my reality I sometimes I, I run social media for other people too and I sometimes I'm on Instagram for four hours a day mm-hmm People don't want to hear that or they think that it's shocking or that I can't be a yoga teacher if that's my truth, but it's my job and it's what I do. And that is my reality. And I'm kind of like really big on just saying that, naming it. And yes, yeah, some weeks that's really rubbish. And I, my diet falls <laughs> off the, you know, I start eating rubbish because I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking care of myself. Um, I love that about you. And it comes through in your writing as well. I do, I really recommend anyone listening to this to sign up for your your newsletters and go and have a peruse of your website because it's really refreshing because <clears throat> we are in this time now, you're right, where it's like if you're not out in nature drinking enough water and being on a vegan diet, like it's like that th- you're not <clears throat> you're not spiritual enough, you're not, you're not committed enough, you're not this enough, but the reality is you're so right. When you have to, especially if you're working for yourself and you're trying to push something out there in the world it takes a lot it takes a lot of grit it takes a lot of determination sometimes that can mean hours online and and noticing that recognizing it and then balancing out in a different way yeah because it yeah. ebbs and flows doesn't it like how does that look for you yeah it does ebb and flow and it's like I know when I need to get out in nature I 100% know it and I and I, all of these things that we mentioned like when whether it's staying hydrated or or getting out in nature and practicing gratitude all of these things they they do work they're amazing tools and the way I see it is I've got this amazing toolbox of of practices that are that are, that are lovely and fascinating and work in my life and fit into my life but I'm also a messy chaotic and quite neurotic human being a lot of the time who falls into the same traps that we all do because we we all do and I try and hold compassionate position for myself that says that that's okay like it's okay to have a few days where it's all online and and I don't get out of the house as much as I might like to because what we can fall into and what I often fall into is essentially shaming myself and not 
for not being all the things that we should be in inverted commas as a yoga teacher. And again, I fall into that sometimes. I think, oh my goodness, like I'm just not, I'm just not practicing what I preach enough. I'm not present enough. I'm really worried about the future. I'm really anxious about something that happened last week. But I think actually, I, as the more time that passes, the more comfortable I am with. I think the only word I can use is my own humanity. That I that I just am comfortable to recognize when I'm having a a bad day. But yeah, so I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that I I don't want to knock anybody who is living a life that is entirely offline, that is being out in nature, that is having a wonderful diet, that is practicing yoga and embodiment practices, and is able to live in that way sustainably and, and, and happily and comfortably. I mean, I, it's a, in a way, it's the dream. Like, I hope that when I'm older, I get to go and be back to the countryside and have a goat and walk in nature every day. Mm-hmm. But equally, I, I, that's not my reality. My reality is that I've got a day job, a couple of day jobs, and I teach yoga, and I have three children, and I've got a house that's unwieldy and falling apart, it seems, and... That's a lot to hold for anybody, and most people are like that. Most of us are spinning a lot of plates and have a whole lot of stuff going on. And so for me, all of my practices, and this is only me speaking for myself personally, are tools that I can turn to to help me in that. And so that's the position I hold to hope or hope to hold for other people. Mm-hmm. That it's they can have permission. I don't mind, I don't have any judgment if my students or clients have gone out on a binge drinking the night before and they just want to lie on their mat feeling rough and doing a bit of breath work like there's no judgment of that it's about sharing tools that will help any messy human life along the way and um I hope that that gives permission to people to feel that they can come to my classes and my things when they might feel judged or uncomfortable in other classes because they don't kind of measure up to they don't understand the what the teacher's talking about or their life doesn't measure up to the ideal that they in their consciousness is what yoga practitioner or teacher should be I do get I mean I get negative comments about things like when I shared that I'm addicted to diet coke I get pushed back against that from who what kind of person like, like comments and messages from people telling me like do I know the damage that diet coke does to someone's body and is it responsible to share that <laughs> that I mean, I've actually given up Diet Coke this week, which is why it's on my mind. Well done. I'm <laughs> drinking the yogi tea because, it, because the thing is I do, I do pay attention to my body and think, okay, like at the moment I've got a cold and I'm trying to take care of myself because I'm aware that I need to. So I'm sleeping more and making sure that I'm getting my five or 10 a day. I think as well, it's like, it's honoring the phases, isn't it? Because we all go through these different phases in our life. We're all like so messy and everything's cyclical and we change. And just to allow that change, like changing of opinions as well, you know. I'm interested in, in how we increasingly, I, I notice that people are terrified of changing their opinion on things. I think perhaps that is a, a byproduct of how polarized the times are, that the position that people take tends to fall at one of two extremes more often than not. So potentially that's why it feels like an extreme, you know, that you can't put it down because you've you've chosen one of two camps rather than 
a, an enormous spectrum of positions from one end to the other. Mm-hmm. I am I'm fascinated by that, that because we do we change so much. I we change all the time continually, mm-hmm. and. I think, you know, if somebody was to call out, or you used to say this, or you used to say that, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm quite comfortable though with, with the fact that I used to say that and now I say this because I learned X, Y, and Z. That changed in my life. I aged. <laughs> my whole frame of reference changed. And I realized that that old belief system I had was actually not quite right for, for me. And it's changed. And maybe it will change back again. And I think... I try to move through my life giving other people permission to be human as well. I mean, there's a yoga teacher that to be aware of, of the projections that are, are put onto you of who you represent to other people and therefore what you should be. It, it's, a, it's a thing about being a, a yoga teacher that people don't potentially talk about in there because you can be really held up as somebody who's got all the answers and is perfect, but... Um, I always say to people, if that's what you're looking for in me, you, you're going to the wrong person. <laughs> it's really <laughs> kind of trawling down the main ring road with a bag of shopping with my kids with like crisps and what's it's and chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not who I am. I'm definitely not that kind of yogi sitting on a rock in the Ganges looking all perfect. Oh gosh, it's so refreshing. It's really refreshing just to just to hear that from you. It's like let's give Let's start giving each other permission to just be who we are and express what we're actually feeling and thinking. What I'm noticing is that a lot of people are just so stifled because they're afraid to actually go out and do anything for fear of what other people are going to think and what other people are going to say. And they're confused because we also live in this world now, like it says, it's so it's so polarizing and everyone has a, an opinion and when you go online, it, everything looks black and white when actually we're a full spectrum, aren't we? Yeah. And I remember very, very early in my teaching, on my teaching path, having a supervision session with Carolyn. And she said to me, I was saying something about being concerned in that way about, and she said to me, you're extremely other moderated. Did you realize this? And I was like, I've never heard that expression before, other moderated, but it was, I was like, Oh, that's so true. You know, when you're moving through life, continually making decisions based on what other what you perceive other people might think or want from you. Mm. There's a there's a book which I've which I've found fascinating and useful called The Courage to Be Disliked. And the book itself is extremely interesting to me. The title of the book is is important in my own journey and in what I try to work with now and that is not to try and be provocative like I don't want to be provocative I'm not trying to take a position that that I want to antagonize anybody it's not at all my intention what I want is to have the courage to be myself and to be able to hold myself if there's a reaction I perceive to be negative against that and when it's online the, the digital realms aren't real you can close your computer, your phone and everything. And, and, and there's a sort of, obviously at the extreme end, there's people who suffer from the negative consequences of expressing themselves online in, in extreme ways. But for 99% of us, the threat is completely only in our perception. But it feels so real. And this goes back to information that, that we will both have studied mastering the addictive personality about the 
what the the brain science of what the amygdala is doing and scanning for danger continually. In that, we, we first of all, as you say, people hold themselves back all the time because of of them sensing danger. There's a danger in putting themselves out there in any way, whether that's a threat of anger or 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 or, or antagonizing other people. I think more often it's a it's a fear of feeling rejected or abandoned by people because you've taken that risk and it hasn't in your perception paid off in any way. I think that's that's sad, but it's also very understandable. I've had I've had months on end where I haven't posted on social media because I've just had enough of it. <laughs> just exhausted myself and the pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as a as somebody as who's like you're you're a coach, it's like I can I can believe it because people I talk to are the yoga teachers. It's kind of the, the 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 most common position is that people have a fear of putting themselves out there. Yeah. What I what I do, like my mantra for myself, is that on my desk that I've got in another room, I I have a a little post-it note that says Instagram is an altar, and that's what I remind myself of every day is that what I what I put out is something that gives me personal joy and when I can also question what is my motivation for putting something out there and too often in the early days it was about it was it was about courting those vanity metrics of like I want people to like this I want people to share this I want people to respond positively when I could sort of own that I was playing that game and think that's not what I want. I want to be able to feel joy when I post something or to want to share a message that I've thought and reflected about privately and then want to share publicly in some way. It really did change things for me. And I try and remember that. I mean, obviously I fall into traps again occasionally, but I generally now I'm in a place where, particularly when it comes to things like social media, where I, by shifting my thinking my motivation and holding the intention of only putting things out there that spark joy in me it's changed my relationship to it a lot in what way is it less draining or less less draining less anxiety coming of when something doesn't do as well as the last thing less anxiety when people unfollow me less anxiety when I perceive a comment or a or a response to be a negative one, less obsessing. One of the things about the way my brain works is that I I love analysis of data and statistics. It's just something I've always done professionally. And when you're doing that for yourself and, and you're, you're the product in some way, on some level, that's an extremely strange kind of process to continue with because you're, with the wrong mindset, you're analyzing how much people like you. <laughs> Yeah, you're attaching your self-worth to it. It's Yeah, it's, yeah, I, yeah. I tell people that it's like before people embark on this like, oh, I'm just going to, I want to start a business and I'm going to put myself out there online. And I try to give them a pre-warning, not to put them off, but just be like, you do know that everything's going to come to the surface when you start doing this. Because essentially when you put yourself out there in the world, you're marketing yourself it's so heavily attached to your sense of self. And so, so if you have some stuff under there that you haven't worked on, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be quite challenging. You know, it's challenging for like you and I, even though we have this awareness of what it takes to market, 
yourself, but you have to have this healthy kind of, you have to detach, don't you? Very difficult thing to do. Yeah. You have to be reflective. I think that's the word that always comes to me. And detach is an interesting word. Like, yeah, I think you're right. I think that there, there's a time where it was useful for me to almost think of myself as one of my own clients as a marketer. Mm-hmm. How, what, like to make decisions, you know, based off of how would I respond if somebody else was paying me to do this for them rather than me doing it myself. And it's almost like putting your own boundaries in place for yourself and your own behavior. And, and I like what you say about it is going to bring stuff up and it isn't going to be easy necessarily to put yourself out there because that's one of the things that I think we fall into this trap of believing that if we're finding something difficult, there's something wrong with us. Yes. But actually everybody finds a lot of things difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do have these conversations where we name that it's difficult and that we really struggle or have a bad day with it or whatever it might be, hopefully that helps other people because it's a complete illusion. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who are influencers who have someone helping them who don't really have to get involved in the nitty gritty of things. But for me, I would be shocked to really think anybody has like a really, truly healthy relationship all the time with social media. And I think naming that to people that is going to bring stuff out. And it's not about thinking that that's a failure that stuff's come up, but noticing that that stuff's come up and go, that's that's quite interesting that I'm now thinking about all of these things about myself. What do I, what can I do to support myself better with these things coming up kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Not beating yourself up for it being hard, because I think the other thing is <clears throat> a belief that things should be easy. Mm-hmm. Why should they be easy? Why should being a yoga teacher be easy? Mm-hmm. That, that's something that I ask myself. Why should it be easy? It shouldn't be easy. I get all the benefits of it. What's good about it? I love chatting to people before class begins. I love the process of teaching. I love planning my classes. I love the music. I love creating my artwork for Instagram. I love writing my email newsletter. Love, love, love all of these things. Don't like this other raft of things. On balance, is that fair? Probably probably fair I think there's there is this there's a there's a thing in culturally I think that that we should find more easy than we do and actually sometimes things are just hard work and difficult yeah even if you're doing your dream job or whatever you love doing and there's always going to be a point where it's going to be hard work so you've just gotta you know if you love it it makes it easier easier but it doesn't make it easy you know, and again, it comes back to this, like these little sound bites on Instagram or these little, like, you know, find something you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of these, I was speaking to a writer the other day and she was saying the same, but, you know, you have an idea to write your first book and you envision yourself with a typewriter with the breeze blowing next to a window. And it's all so magical and the words are flowing. And in reality, you know, she's got toddlers running around her feet and she's sweaty and she hasn't eaten and she's drank too much coffee. And like, that's her reality. And that's most of the reality. So it's like, let's normalize that. Let's talk about that so that people know what they're getting themselves into and they don't give up because it's not what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, don't give up. That's it. And I think, I mean, talking about writers, my husband's a writer. So, and he's, he's been a successful writer for the last 10 years, but he spent 15, 20 years as a, a writer attempting to 
get a book deal and be published and all of these things. And again, like very much that, I've watched him over the years really grappling with this, spend your whole life thinking, all I need is my book in a shop and then I'll have achieved my life's goals. It's never, it's never easy. There's not a point where it's like, now I can relax. Now it's done. Now I've succeeded. And maybe that's a that's a personality trait, and maybe that's a not everybody would have that experience. But it's certainly my own experience for myself when I have goals and ambitions, and I and I want to succeed at something. I find that my insatiable appetite for learning, creating, producing stuff is is partly born of 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 being an anxious person, and it's partly born of what things that have happened to me in my life and whatever it might be underlying work I still have to do on myself but there's huge rewards to that too and it's like it's not like we we can also have like a negative response to the fact that we say oh I you know I'm I my anxiety is why there's a lot of stuff going around at the moment about being a people pleaser or about that kind of thing and my professional career I was always very much a people pleaser working harder than I had to be but that also gave me huge rewards in terms of both financially and in terms of the recognition that I received for the hard work that I put in. So I suppose I try not to paint things with a that's bad, that's good breath. I try and learn from things and go, okay, I burnt out doing that. So let's watch my behavior next time. But also I could gain X, Y, and Z. And I can say for myself that my obsessive nature, my anxious nature, my addictive nature has been a source of enormous joy in my life as much as it's been the cause of my suffering. And it's certainly been fuel for my creativity. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why it's good to hear just other people's experiences rather than hearing someone say, this is how you should do it and this is how you shouldn't do it. You know, because like you said, everyone is different, but the majority people do struggle. And that's, and that's what upsets me when people would shelf a project or would give up on something because just because they feel like they're doing something wrong or they're not good enough. Because I feel like I believe that everyone's good enough, right? Everyone's good enough. It's fascinating as well. I think every human being, I can't think of a human being I haven't met who isn't fascinating in, in, in a unique way. I love that. I think that, and I think people's humanity, when they're able to, or vulnerable enough, an interesting word, vulnerable. I wrote about how I didn't like the word vulnerable the other day. But I think when people feel safe enough to show some of their humanity rather than feeling this need to kind of paste over it with, a, with perfectionism of some kind, that's when you see like the most fascinating and, and enjoyable and lovable parts of somebody. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what I believe. And I see so often people holding themselves back because the idea is not good enough yet. They can't do the artwork. They're no good at writing, whatever it might be. Let's talk about that because (laughs) a lot of people come to my podcast with an idea and they don't have experience in marketing, but they just know they have the strong idea and they want to bring it to the world. But all all of those thoughts are holding them back. So what advice would you give for someone that's like coming to the table with a new idea? They've got a lot of excitement, but they don't really know where to start and they're doubting themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think there's, there's so much I could say on that. I think that first of all, to, to sound more like a yoga teacher for a moment, mm-hmm. 
a practice that genuinely works for me is is to make a a small altar or something like that to the project and the the reason for that is holding a goal or an intention to do, to create something requires constantly checking in with it and remembering that why and and how the why you want to do it your excitement about it and having a visual reminder of that that you look at look after tend to every day is extremely helpful and if you're going to talk about that from a from a more practical perspective you might say that it's it's about the neural wiring and your neural plasticity and and if you keep reminding yourself you'll begin to hardwire that thought more than than losing sight of it because your original excitement dissipates as soon as you hit a hurdle so I actually physically do this when I've got a big idea a bigger idea so when I wanted to create my zine which was called Dancing Star I had a, a just a little area with like an affirmation card, an incense holder, a little pot for to put a flower in. And I had a star-shaped crystal that someone had given me. And I didn't attach magical thinking to it, but I made it a practice of every morning lighting some incense on there before I did a bit of, you know, yoga on my mat. And just remembering how excited I am to do it, that helped me. That helped me because I can get really pulled down by things going wrong sometimes too to have a physical reminder about your excitement write down your excitement make it make your excitement something that you've got to hold (laughs) in some way because it does dissipate always it's always going to dwindle and dip and go up and down number two is if you're somebody who's come up with one idea and you don't often come up with ideas that's different if you're someone like me who comes up with a thousand ideas and gets really overexcited about all of them I would also suggest that it's okay to put an idea to one side for a short for an amount of time that you agree with yourself to see if you're still excited about it. Because some people get really excited about an idea and then they're excited about a different idea two days later. If you're one of those people, I've learned to pause. But if you're if you've got an idea that you're passionate about and that you are holding yourself back from because of marketing, when I worked in I worked at an education publisher where the books and the and the publications we printed were written by experts in their field, teachers, and people who worked with special educational needs, all kinds of fascinating people who are passionate about their job. And I was a digital marketer and managed the websites and the digital marketing channels for these books. And it was my team's job to write the copy about the books. And the copy was usually bad. It was usually bad. It was dull. It was bullet points that were so... And... I kept asking the authors to help me write the copy and, and oh, I don't know anything about marketing. I, I'm really bad. I don't know what to write. And I asked one of them one day, just write, will you write me a letter as if I'm your best friend or an old colleague that you haven't seen for 10 years that you've gotten really well with and just tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would you say to a friend about it? Write that down. And Honestly, the thing, when I started using that kind of process with authors, it was like the most amazing writing would come out of them. And I think that's what people need to change. Stop thinking that you're writing to sell and just write as if you're telling somebody about this amazing idea that you've had. Write to whoever it is that you would talk to, your best friend, your partner, your old crush from school. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I don't know who it is. Whoever comes to mind for you that you would write honestly to. And I think for writing about your project, that that's really helpful. And that can become useful down the line in many ways in terms of writing, writing marketing, writing captions, that kind of thing. And I think in holding your long-term goal by whatever means it is necessary, whether it's the altar, whether it's just reminding yourself every day, also recognizing that you've got to see the steps, whether you actually physically write them out or whether you just visualize them when you're doing something during your day, that breaking things down into steps is something that too few of us do, I think. And you're constantly just, all you've got your eyes on is the end and, and actually recognizing the small achievements day by day by day is also extremely helpful. I think in terms of putting yourself out there, if you're hesitant or you don't feel like you're expert, don't be scared to name that. Like I, I'm doing this series of, of a workshop next weekend about how I create my artwork. And for years I've been asked to do this kind of thing. And I was like, well, I'm not a designer. I've never had a graphic design lesson in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. I make it up as I go along. And then it, I realized that that's the gold because nobody who comes to the workshop's got any of that. That's why everyone can do it because it's all been created by somebody who doesn't know what really what they're doing. They're just fiddling around with things until they work and they've come up with a process. That's the joy of it because it's accessible to everyone. I can make my things, everything I do, I do on my phone. I can do it when I'm like sitting watching Netflix in the evening. That's why it's a good idea. So the fact that you don't perceive yourself as an expert is probably helpful rather than a hindrance. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, most of the time, people don't care about the qualifications or, you know, I think when people, coaches go out there or yoga teachers go out for the first time to try and promote themselves, they're like, I'm not good enough, so I need to write so all of these qualifications so people know that I'm good enough. And then you don't realize that people scan over that stuff. They want to know about the person. It's the essence of the person, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that there's, there's caveats to that in terms of if, if it came to doing sort of trauma work and that kind of thing. Of like, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think when it comes to, yeah, working with somebody, like when you think about things like coaching or, or, or yoga teaching or whatever, it's so much more about feeling that you've got a connection with that person or that you feel safe around them or that you feel seen by them in some way. Mm -hmm. And, and when it comes to putting your idea out there in the world, being honest about, about it in essence, I think that's what people are too frightened of. People will resonate with that because we often are living very similar experiences to each other, but perceive a separation because, because people think they've got to keep parroting the same style of what everyone else is doing in terms of how they name things and market things and mm -hmm. name themselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, honesty is a great... I don't think we should all be honest about everything 100% of the time, but I think in marketing, honesty is underused. Gosh, totally. I work in marketing as well with like bigger brands that are all selling products and they want the essence that a lot of individual creators can quite easily do because they're speaking from their heart, but brands want to tap into that. And I've noticed that that's why influencer marketing works so well because it's the individual, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, even going back 
to the very early days of, of when I was marketing, when I first started doing email marketing and stuff 15, 20 years ago, there was, it was always much more helpful when we had where each title had like, say if it was a magazine or newsletter type thing where the editor was a personality and there was a personality that had a, if not a face then a name and a character. And I can completely get that bigger brands would want to be tapping into that um, human connection element because it's what people are now responding to really well online. And I think, yeah, be, being honest is is really underrated and thinking that you've got to be able to write like a marketer is not true. But I think, yeah, don't, I think my advice would always just be just do something. Just do make a step, one step. It doesn't even have to be the first step. It can be the do the fifth step and then go back to the first step if the fifth step keeps you excited. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Sometimes I'll just like make some artwork for something that's just an idea in my head, just because it will make me, you know, it's a fun bit. I like I don't have to keep everything exactly linear because to keep my own enthusiasm up, I sometimes have to jump ahead and just do the a fun bit. No, that's great advice because it's the brain trying to control with the whole linear thing. Is just the brain is that I sh- is, it comes back to that I should be doing it this way and I have to do it linear because I need to get from point A to point B, and then that just stifles creativity, doesn't it? You'll get your you'll get stuck doing that rather than following following the inspiration, following following the joy. Just off the back of what we were just talking about, so. What would you say to someone who, because I know this is a very common thing too, that wants to do something, but in a field where there are multiple other people doing the same thing and they say to themselves or their brain says to themselves, the world doesn't need another blog writer. The world doesn't need another yoga teacher. Like who am I to do, even though they're really called to do it. What would you say to them? I would first of all say that Nobody is you. Nobody is exactly the same as the next person. And if you can be yourself, not necessarily all of yourself, but if in the what you're trying to achieve, if you're writing a blog about parenting, be yourself and don't feel that you've got to fall into a narrative. The fact that there's a lot of people out there doing something Yes, it means that it's a saturated market, but it also means that there's it's a popular market for a reason. There's a there's a there's a need out there, and if you can be yourself within a, a thriving market, then people will find you. The people who are your people within that market will find you, and it's about. I don't necessarily think. I think it's 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 tricky to to avoid saying standing out. I don't think you necessarily have to stand out as such. I really do believe that it's about being yourself and showing your humanity within whatever that field is that's saturated. And that will differentiate you as a byproduct because unfortunately, most people fall into a trap of replicating what they see doing well by the leading person or people within a field. And that is that is difficult to try and to try and replicate something else and, and and have equal success with it. But if you can, and and also I would say, don't measure success by metrics on social media in terms of if you do dip your toes in. If you're doing a website or a blog, it takes time to build the content to build to therefore build the traffic. If you're 
looking at social media, then the 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 a small audience is not is not anything at all negative. You can have such a a, a brilliant from a, a small nurtured audience. I can tell from tell you honestly that my posts with the least likes and comments have generated the most income or people to class or whatever you might be the action you might be trying to get people to take because guess what they read it and then go to the website they don't read it and stay on the platform to comment or respond to it they go they go off to do whatever it is you've mentioned so don't look at what someone's got likes wise yes all that stuff's helpful for the algorithm and for more people seeing your stuff it is it is helpful but Equally, don't measure it on vanity metrics, as they get called, because it, it's true that often the most successful things aren't the things that look to the outside eye to do well. So don't, when you dip your toes in, don't be put off by that. And I also think to, like having determination will, do, will serve you really well. Being consistent will serve you really well, because even in a really saturated market, most people... I see so many cool Instagram accounts. Like, I don't know, someone might send me a message and I click through. Well, their Instagram account's amazing. It's so interesting. And then I noticed that the latest post was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And like so many people, like, don't, don't, they consistent with anything at all because it's just, they just abandon it. So if you can stay consistent, you will also stand out. You will. Mm-hmm. And in my yeah. experience as well, there's always more people watching than you think. There oh, be- wait, definitely, yeah. Yeah, a lot of creepers there. Right? Probably creepers isn't the right word. But- no, no, yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> silently watching. Yeah, what's the right word? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I always find that interesting in person where you meet someone, they go, oh, I saw your thing, or, oh, they, or they mentioned something from my email newsletter, or... And it's like they've never responded to anything ever, but it seems like they know every single thing I've ever done. It's always such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And that can be confidencing on the other person's side as well, that they just don't engage in that way with things. But yeah, it's interesting. There's, there are people watching and there are people listening. Uh, yeah, com- coming back to your, like you said, your altar, coming back to your intention, showing up every day for the for the joy of of creating what you're creating that's why it's important to be connected to what you're creating right because just growing an audience for the sake of growing an audience you're not going to get very far that way you're going to burn out so I I mean I need a, a I've got a questionnaire which I've developed myself which is around a unique USPs or unique selling points and, and that kind of thing for like individual offers or products like what what is what is the what is this like, and what's it actually for and what do I have to say about it? So I'll go, I have sort of my own process for going through what I'm, what am I trying to achieve and put out there about this thing and what makes it, what makes it useful for people? What problem is it overcoming, you know, false and body? And I think being clear on that stuff is, is helpful mm-hmm. because I think in the, in the noise and in the sea and in the, in the being influenced by what's already out there, we can really lose sight about about what what it is in us that caused us to create and produce whatever this thing is that we're marketing. So I think, yeah, doing some work on really nailing down what are the benefits of this product, what why am I doing it, what is my motivation, and how will it help somebody? 
too often I, I found from chatting to people that if they've got a new offer or a new account or a new something to put out in the world, they're too preoccupied with the the eyes that they perceive are going to be seeing this and not the eyes of the client that they want to find or the eyes of the end. They're the eyes of their competitors and the eyes of the people in a hierarchical structure that are above them in their perception in some way or their enemies they're imagining all of these eyes yeah. that aren't the ones that actually in inverted commas matter to them and doing some work on recognizing that and and really writing to or creating for who it is you want to reach and help rather than all these other eyes that feel like they're on you all the time yeah I was working with a client the other day and she was just like I said you need to just start putting your people don't know what you do you need to start telling people what you do she's complaining that no one was buying from or no one was interested and I was like well how many times have you kind of put out there that what you do oh sure quite a lot you know it was very sporadic it was like one or two posts a month that actually mentioned what she did and then when we got to the root of it she was just so terrified because she's at a a point where the people that are following her at the moment are just old school friends and old acquaintances that she doesn't really see anymore but they all watch her stories and posts and it's paralyzing her because she's so worried about what they think and it's like, of course, they're not buying for you. Like, yeah. they, they're not interested in what you're doing, what you're selling, but you have to keep going. You have to keep showing up so your people will find you. And then these old people from your past will start to filter out because they won't be interested in what you're offering, you know? Yeah. So it's a twofold thing there, isn't there, about this par- paralysis and fear of what people think, even when they're not your people, but you're connected with them from the past and it's stopping you from growing and becoming the person that you want to become. Definitely. I mean, that was a big part of my reason behind starting a, sc- a new account from scratch when I became a yoga teacher. And I think that I can see that being a struggle. And I think it is that thing about what who's, you know, to, to loop back to the start, we were talking about the teacher trainings I did and stuff. Carolyn's kind of tagline for the training I, I did was called, was for whose gaze do you stand? Mm-hmm. Who's, and then her ne- the next line of her marketing copy was whose eyes are on you when you're teaching or when you're practicing yoga and it's like that is really it's a really helpful reflection to hold and to have on you and whatever you're doing because because the the eyes upon us change so much in how we behave and think and if you've got your history stalking your current reality of course it's unnerving but yeah not letting that hold you back is good advice I'm gonna wrap it up because you've been I know I know I told you I like talking (laughs) wonderful. I just could talk for I just talked for hours. Great. So much, so many gems in there that people are really going to appreciate your expertise and your experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you have so you're running this course at the end of this month? Are there still spaces on that or is that fully booked? Well, there isn't for that one, no, but I'm gonna this week I'm gonna put it up on my website for in a couple of months' time again, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I've got sure. a lot of interest in another one. So if you haven't, I'm going to leave all the links to your stuff in the show notes. So whoever's listening to this, check out check out the website and the, the Instagram is beautiful. I mean, it's so refreshing to scroll through Instagram and see a beautiful post that has soul. You can tell that you put your heart into those posts and it takes a lot of work. Sarah is, due to popular demand, created this course that you mentioned earlier on this and it's fully booked, but you're going to do another one, right? 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have another one happening in June. So I'm going to put details up on my website like this week or next week. Yeah, Amazing. Insta magic, so you can learn how to do it. They're amazing. It's on my list. I want to do the course for sure. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been really fun to talk and it's nice to meet you. As we come to the end of another episode, I want to remind you that the only way to make your dream a reality is through consistent action. You have to keep showing up and this is no easy task, which is why I'm here three times a week inspiring you to align with your purpose, act with intention and start making shit happen. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe and spread the love, share it with your friends and family. I'd really appreciate it. And if you have an idea you'd like me to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you're interested in my coaching, I'm currently offering one-on-one online sessions. You can drop me an email at lisahorgan at pm.me to book a free introductory session. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thank you.